Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels just a little bit more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. I've got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And we do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you looked at the last three years of your business and took all those negative months and turned them into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is our business partner, Dan Nicholson. We are here to help you achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. And uh, I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. And the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire. In the next five to seven years, if you take consistent action, you will become one. If you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And you guys are going to hear us saying some things that might sound kind of weird, might sound like a different language. It's normal. Embrace that open loop. At some point, it will close, but keep that loop open so that you can receive more of this. And, you know, please write your takeaways in the live chat. And after you've thought about uh, and, and consumed the show, put your six-word update in the comments below. That way you can get the maximum benefit from watching the show. Today's title is What is a Business Treasury? But before we do that, let's go into our six-word updates. What you got, Paul? Well, welcome back, Steve. It's nice uh, to have you back doing that intro. I've been doing it for the last few weeks, and I'm just happy to turn that back over to you. So um, <laughs> thank you. My six word update today is thankful and fortunate for warmer weather. My God, it's been a long winter here in Denver. <laughs> we got snow uh, earlier this week, literally just uh, just this morning. It was, I think, 23 degrees outside when I took my dog to walk, and uh, it's now wow. in the 60s. We should have 60s, 70s, 80s for the next week or so. And I don't know, it's something about, uh, you know, rounding the corner of winter that is just brutal. But uh, the warm weather is nice and <laughs> I'm looking forward to being outside all weekend. So very cool. Very cool. Uh, my six word update. Uh, ChatGPT is more eloquent than me. And, um, you know, we have uh, Dan was able to put together a book. Uh, rigging the game we read it it's been a powerful testament to our businesses um along the way he practices what he preaches and he turned it into a usa today bestseller and a wall street journal bestseller so we're like okay well we got to write a book today is not just about the the content of the book unfortunately it's about the distribution of the book and Dan's figured out how to make it a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So we're going to follow his process. So we're going to have yeah. the book written. And the idea was hire a ghostwriter to take everything that Ren and I have talked about and make it look really good in the book. But the question that was asked was like, why don't we have ChatGPT do it? And I don't have a good answer for it because I saw what it can do. It's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so- we rewrote it. We rewrote it. Uh, had it re- rewrite a few things this last week for us. And- you're like, I don't like the way this copy sounds. And I just sent you back something like, well, this is what ChatGPT says. And of course, it's, you know, you and I aren't like fantastic writers. Yeah. So if you're not a great writer, you just use that and have it rewrite your stuff. But I think it was like, rewrite this and make it more compelling. Bam, spits you out like three different options for it. It's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. So let's talk about, you know, we're talking about business treasury. Before we even get into that, what is the problem? The problem today, we're all stressed out about our finances. So... What does that mean? Hmm. Well, 
boy, do I know what it's like to teeter on the edge of profitability and like the stress of like, am I making any money or am I losing money? You know, in real estate, we've got these like different things that a lot of us do. You know, you've got wholesaling, which has got a pretty quick conversion cycle. You've got flips, which are, you know, much uh, longer, three to six months, maybe more, uh, much more if you're in my case. I'm just kidding. Uh, and then you've got these, you know, I've, I've do developments and things like this. And so a lot of times it's hard to tell money goes out, but you don't always see it come back in. So you're just, you're kind of stressed out. Like, am I profitable? Do I need to be worried right now? And it's this perpetual state of anxiety. That's what I found myself in for the first few years in business. Um, can you relate to that at all? Oh, I can wholly relate to this. Um, taking properties down and. I can speak multiple times. The thought goes through my head. I know I'm making a lot of money. Where the heck is it? Right. Mm -hmm. And for every property, like even forget even all the down payments, you have enough transactions going on. You've got accounts receivable, or maybe that's not the right word. Not accounts receivable on your balance sheet, your earnest money. Like we have, it's not unusual to have 30 or $40,000 just out there in earnest money. Right. Well, it'd be nice to know exactly where it is tied to exactly which property. And we've gotten pretty good at it today. It's not 100 percent, but it's a lot better than what it was before. But there was a time where we just had earnest money. We were I mean, it wasn't it was probably years ago. We were even treating it as an expense versus a balance sheet item, which is totally wrong. So there's all sorts of like shenanigans isn't the right word, but there's a whole lot like shenanigans. I like shenanigans. (laughs) Yeah, that's what was going on. That's what our business <laughs> books were looking like in QuickBooks. Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of us were, you know, we find our way into entrepreneurship because we say, well, I want to get passive income. I want to go out and do this so that I can build my life in the way that I want to, basically to do whatever the heck I want to do, mm-hmm. right? All day. I don't have to listen to a boss. I make the decisions. Well, you're kind of in for a rude awakening because then you get into entrepreneurship and you're like, shoot, I just traded the nine to five for a five to nine. Mm -hmm. And also you don't sleep as well at night because, you know, you're like worried about your finances and things like this. And again, they did. I, I wasn't given this information. We were both engineers. Did they teach us how to do this in school? They don't. Definitely not the classes I took. Definitely not, not the classes this, I took. Right. And it, it's it's just, it sounds obvious that when you get into business, it's all about making sure you know what you keep. But I think a lot of us are geared towards um, the salesperson bias. I think it's what we've just been calling that inside the whale club, mm-hmm. which is I'll just go sell more. I'll sell you my know, way out I of this problem. Sell my way out of this problem. You know, I would way rather just go worry about how to get more sales. And we justify it by saying like, yeah, but in three months, this deal is going to close. So I'm going to go ahead and start spending money now as if I've already got it. Yeah. Right. I made this mistake. Um, But there was just this perpetual. The problem is there's this perpetual state of am I going to be okay? You know, and again, we all got into business because I don't want to say all of us, but I certainly did. I got into business because I wanted to build uh, a business around my life that served me. And what I found is that I quickly became a slave to my own business 
because I never really knew whether I was going to be okay. Yeah. And not just not knowing whether you're going to be okay, but we're having to continually make decisions in that state of mind that doesn't get us any closer. It might even make it worse as far as am I going to be okay? Cause we're, when you're making a decision with some uh, fogginess or, un, uh, you know, you're unclear as to your finances, you can't predict what it's going to look like 30 days from now, 90 days from now. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're adding more anxiety and uncertainty in your business as you're making important financial decisions <laughs> with fogginess. Sure. And we all start out that way, right? It's like, we don't all, you can't, it's hard to get into business without spending some sort of resource, right? Whether that's your time, your energy, money on marketing, different things like this. So we spend and then we're hoping that it comes back. Mm-hmm. It's just this back and forth. Spend, okay, get money back in. Spend, get money money back in. And knowing exactly where you're at is, is harder than it may sound. And if you're an entrepreneur and a real estate investor, you probably know this. Yeah. Right? You probably experienced this one way or another. And so part of why I got, I came to find Dan Nicholson was because and I was like, man, I am just stressed out. I don't know like how it got like this, but <laughs> I find myself here in this position where I don't, I don't really have the right training, the right uh, resources. And I don't have, I didn't have the right toolbox as, as we like to say in the whale club to make good decisions, to help me get closer to what I wanted. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about Dan um, and what he did mm-hmm. for company. So Dan Again, if you haven't picked up this book, Rigging the Game, by now, and you haven't heard us talk about this, uh, Dan wrote this book, Rigging the Game. It was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It says, Rigging the Game, How to Achieve Financial Certainty, Navigate Risk, and Make Money on Your Own Terms. So when I got into Dan's world, one of the first things I learned about him is that in the late 90s, when he uh, he was a fellow uh, at the Governmental Accounting Standards Board. Sounds pretty boring to me. Right. (laughs) These are the people. It's like the Supreme Court of accounting, as he sort of describes it. These are the people that write the accounting standards that we still use today. Yeah. Super impressive for for the the people that know what we're talking about. But for everyday people like you and me, it's like, what is this? Right. So it's like it's like it's like working for the Supreme Court, interning for the Supreme Court. So he got sort of an inside look at that. And because of that, he got recruited to go into treasuries. Um, and so when you, what he was doing in the early two thousands is he was working as a consultant for some of the largest companies in the world, specifically Microsoft. Those were, that was his biggest uh, client. He talks about this all the time. And his role was to come in and help Microsoft with the same exact problem that real estate investors and entrepreneurs deal with today, which is like, how do we lower our anxiety how do we build financial certainty inside of that business? And what, what you notice when you look at a company like Microsoft now and any really any major Fortune 500 company is that they have their operating business. So Microsoft is selling computers and all the stuff that they do, right? Mm-hmm. They've got their operating side. But then they've got all these nerds that they keep in the back in the Treasury Department. I'm right. kidding. The smart ones, right? Mm-hmm. And these are the folks who are taking 
the roughly $200 billion of assets that Microsoft has, and they're investing it. Because Microsoft is not just taking their retained earnings and sticking it in Chase Bank. That would be foolish, right? Because- It'd be irresponsible to leave $200 billion just in bank account. Particularly, not just fighting inflation, trying to outpace inflation, but I mean, given just a couple of bank failures it had in the last few weeks, grossly irresponsible to leave $200 billion in a bank account. That's right. And so Dan sort of opened me up to this concept where, again, right, like when I was working, when he was working with Microsoft, we were having them take these hundreds of billions of dollars of assets and we were building a plan for them to invest it, to earn uh, a return that could help offset the operating expenses inside their business. So to break that down very simply, when you look at these Fortune 500 companies, you've got the operating business. And they're, you know, this is the, you know, they're, they're throwing money out, resources out, and they're getting money back in, right? That's pretty much the businesses that a lot of us have right now. Yeah. But there's a, there's a critical component that's missing inside of our businesses, which is this treasury program. And that's what Dan helped Microsoft do. He helped several Fortune 500 companies, including Microsoft. Uh, and then he went and started his own accounting practice in the late two, 2000s, um, and he's been running that ever since in order to help small businesses do this same exact thing. Got it. Got it. So helping other small businesses develop their own business treasuries. Correct. Because as a business owner, again, if you've been in business, you know the level of stress and anxiety that comes with that, mm -hmm. right? It's sort of like, you know, heavy lies the crown. Well, a lot of us went from the W-2 world into the, the entrepreneurship world. And again, it's all about freedom and it's all about you're going to get to do whatever you want. But there's this little asterisk next to that. Yes, but mm -hmm. that's assuming you have finances in order. Because if you don't, that is likely one of the biggest causes of stress in your life currently. Yeah, I mean, even just outside of what we're talking about here, like for people that are in our mentorship, you know, we always talk about like sales and marketing are the two things you got to figure out first. You got to figure out sales and marketing because if you don't have sales and marketing, you don't, you don't have a business. And a third thing we talk about is like, you got to find it. Uh, you got to have the people component, right? If you can't find people, source people, manage people, lead them effectively, your, your business is only as good as your people within it. And all these are great, but if you don't understand the money, <laughs> nothing good is going to happen. You got to figure yeah. out the money. Yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily suggesting that to like the first thing you've got to figure out. There's so many things to learn in your first few years. Right. In but business. that asterisk you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, you can do whatever you want as long as you figure out sales, marketing, people and finances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so when we look at some of the, the longest standing companies in the world, they all have treasuries. There's a reason why. Because Things when when the market was going like this ever since really 2013 up till about, you know, middle of 2022, it was like a 10 year run almost. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really wasn't that difficult to make money and eke out a profit. Right. Difficult relative to other times. I'm not saying it's not difficult to be a business owner. I'm just saying relative to other times. But we are seeing now how hard it is to run a profitable business mm -hmm. because the, the winds have shifted. 
And the intention of the business treasury is so that you can build a financial fortress around your life, your business, so that you can weather any turbulence, any sort of economic environment, anything that comes your way. You've got this treasury that can uh, support your business and allow you to get through those really difficult times. Right. Got it. Okay. So we've had the wind behind our backs for the last nine years, no matter what you're running, probably a profitable business right now with the way the winds have shifted, having a business treasury will help uh, us navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough to pitch a business treasury when you're making money hand over fist. <laughs> Or like, why do I need that? We're making money. Yeah. Like, well, again, these are the principles that some of the best companies in the world are using. Well, it goes and back what- to, you know, we talk about anti-fragile, right? Like, you want to do well in a good market. You also want to do well in a bad market. How do you design a business that grows in a good market and a bad market? Yeah, it's like preventing bad things from happening. This is the parenting frame. Yeah. How do we prevent bad things from happening? You have reliability and redundancy in your business. Um, You know, so again, if you're a small business owner, you've probably never heard of this because they didn't teach us this in school. They didn't teach us this. uh, (laughs) You just don't learn this inside of masterminds. I was never taught this. I was never taught what to do with the money that we made in the business or that was just sitting in my bank account. I was just like, oh, it's just sitting there. Well, I can tell you, we were taught, we were just taught poorly, right? I mean, we were taught to go get some write-offs, go, go spend, go put a chunk of it into marketing, go like money sitting in your bank account is being eaten by rats. Like that's kind of the, uh, yeah. a lot of the things I heard, like money in your bank account is not a good thing. It, it's got to be deployed. It's constantly got to be deployed. Yeah, well, we have a different perspective on this. Sure. And I think that's because for most people, the answer is more, mm-hmm. Right. We say, and I'm, I'm not, this is not a knock on big businesses. You know, I, I get the fact that a lot of uh, real estate investors just want to grow bigger businesses. That's, I'm not saying that's wrong. What I am saying is a lot of us got into business so that we could live the life that we wanted to live. And then as we start going along, the answer often becomes, well, how do we go from three deals to five deals a month? And then how do we go from five deals to 10 deals a month? Um, because the answer in our brains is almost always more. Mm-hmm. And I think what I realized by working with Dan is like, you actually don't even need to do any more deals. You just need to take the money that you're making and allocate it uh, better in a, in a more profitable way. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what the treasury program does. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, just as a quick tangent here, like we had Ryan on our whale club uh, call last Wednesday. He talked about like now that he's built out, uh, he's not even finished building out treasury. He's just in the process of building it out. He's like, as he's built out his business treasury, he's realized he doesn't actually need to buy any more properties. Right. Mm-hmm. At this young age, I don't, I'm not sure he's even 30. Maybe he's 35, but he's young. Like, I don't, I don't actually have to buy any more properties. All I got to do is pay down the debt a little bit faster and I'm living the life that I want. Like that was powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And the thing is like, without us, we talk about the solvable problem on this show all the time is, which is another just way of saying, 
clarity on what you actually want in life. Mm -hmm. If you have clarity on what you actually want out of life, um, then more stops making sense, right? Because more comes with a lot of trade-offs oftentimes, right? It means, you know, double the deal flow. I can almost guarantee your stress level is going to go up. Definitely. But it was cool to hear, like, as he was working through his business treasury, he came to this conclusion. It is. It is. And I think that's the intention of like marrying these two. Well, it's really these three concepts. The first is the solvable problem. Got to get clarity on what you're doing. Then you need a toolbox to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. Because again, we're biased. We're heavily biased as people. All of us, we have our own different biases. Me specifically, I'm biased towards chasing more and more and more. I just want to do more because Steve Trang is doing more deals than me. And by God, I'm going to keep up with him. Yeah. Right. And we just, we, we compare ourselves. That's my, one of my biggest challenges. And it may not be what you're listening. Uh, if you're listening to this, what you struggle with, but you certainly have biases that you deal with. And if you don't have clarity on what you're trying to accomplish with your life, where you want to get to. And I don't mean that to sound like it's super simple to figure that out. That's a difficult thing to, to learn. You know, mm -hmm. what do you actually want here? Um, then how do you make good decisions to help you get there? And then it's about, okay, now that you're running a business, how do we use that business as a tool to help you get what you said you wanted, as opposed to just arbitrarily building more inside your business without considering all of the trade-offs? Right, exactly. So yeah. let's talk about it, right? So how are we going to go make this treasury? Yeah. Um, I had uh, <clears throat> did a podcast, excuse me, <clears throat> did a podcast with David Richter a few weeks ago. Um, David is, if you guys don't know David, he is the author of a, a book called Profit First for Real Estate Investing. Mike McCallowitz wrote Profit First. It's a fantastic book. And David took that and adapted it and made it specifically for real estate investors. And the whole concept is coming up with, uh, and David will probably, hopefully he approves with my little pitch here for Profit First, because I'm a huge fan. Um, you got to know what you make. You got to know what you spend and you got to know what you're keeping. And he's given us a very simple rudimentary system to separate out different accounts inside of your business for operating expenses, for profit, for owners, compensation, for tax. There's all sorts of, you know, it's a, it's a whole system he's laid out in this book. And we were sort of talking about how I almost would, in, in most cases, I would rather headbutt a nail, Steve, than deal with my finances. That may sound hyperbolic, <laughs> but like, Oh my God, I was terrified of my finances for so long. Yeah. Again, because I had the salesperson bias. I'll just go sell more. Mm -hmm. I would rather pick up the phone and cold call random people than figure out how much money I was making inside my business. Well, I mean, not just a salesperson bias, but you know, uh, one of the things we talked about in our Whale Club call two, two sessions ago was identifying you know, uh, your superpower, being very clear what your biases are, right? And part of that had to do with identifying what your superpower is, what you're excellent at, what you're competent at, and what you're incompetent at. And not only do you have a salesperson bias, but if you are 
entrepreneurial uh, or a salesperson, your bias is against books. And so when you're having to go do your finances, it, it adds all this anxiety and frustration. Uh, the um, it's for us as salespeople, we would rather cold call a stranger than open up QuickBooks. And yes. because of this, we're really bad at our books. Yeah. And so Dan, Dan says this all the time. It's going to be really difficult to get financial certainty if you don't have a handle on your finances. Right. And so he says it. I mean, the concept of. And so that's why I'm such a big fan of, of profit first, because it's such a simple concept. Right. You set these bank accounts up, you allocate percentages to the different accounts based on the revenue. So when I get $10,000 of revenue, X percent goes to the operating expenses, certain percent goes to all these different accounts, and it makes it easier to deal with. Now, I read Profit First in 2021, mm -hmm. and I set up a couple bank accounts, and then I just went back to my salesperson bias because it is strong, Steve. It is like, it's like three shots of espresso in the morning strong. It's like, it is that strong. I would way rather do anything else in my business than deal with that. Yeah. So first of all, I had, to, I had to like kind of shine a light, an uncomfortable light on like, again, Paul, I don't know how you're going to have financial certainty if you can't get, get your finances in order. Right. So I would suggest if you're thinking about what, uh, what you can do to weather any economic storm and deal with the stress and anxiety of your business, first is you got to have a handle on your finances. Um, David teaches a fantastic method. Profit first is fantastic. You can pick that book up and you can learn how to get your finances in order. But I would suggest that's the first step. What, what would you think? I think that's step one is understanding it, opening the bank accounts. But I think that the second step is identifying whether you have a bias for or against your, your accounting. And if you have a bias against your accounting, which is totally normal if you're watching this show because we attract who we are and I hate my finances, then at some point you might want to pick up the phone and have a conversation with David's team. Probably That's right. is step three. That's right. And I think um, because we help, we help business owners and entrepreneurs do this inside the whale club. That's one of the things that we do. And actually I was having a conversation with Dan a few weeks ago. Um, here's how strong this bias is with entrepreneurs is, you know, this, we, we, we joke about this offline, but it's like, we probably had 20 people or so showing up to our most recent certainty whale uh, certainty series that we do inside the, the whale club. Um, and we'd had 20, we'd had really, let's just say 20, I think out of like 24 people showing up roughly every single week, which is great. And then we got to the section of certainty where it's like, okay, now we need to go compile some information, right? We talk about the case framework. One of those things is go compile some real small steps in your finances, right? We want you guys to, to make a list of your vendors uh, and then the cost associated with them right there. And I sort of made this comment like, uh, based on my experience when I went through this with Dan, I saw a very sharp drop off in attendance. And I have a feeling that same thing's going to happen yeah. Uh, with the whales, and that's exactly what happened is we went from about 20 people showing up to like eight people showing up the next mm -hmm. week. And it, it, it just goes to show that um, 
if you're struggling with your finances, you are not alone. If you're afraid of your finances, you are not alone. If you're feeling anxious about, am I going to be okay? And you, you catch yourself in that salesperson bias, you are not alone by a huge factor. The large majority of us entrepreneurs struggle with that. So well, what Dan to... pointed out, All right, go ahead. Is he, what Dan pointed out is he was like, Paul, there's a big difference between trying to get people to actually change their behavior and do these things. Because again, you, you know, I, I just jokingly use that phrase. I would rather headbutt a nail than do this stuff. And he's like, what you need to do is you need to get them to realize how important it is. If they actually want to um, live the life that they say that they want to live. It's not about them having to do it themselves. It's they've got to realize how critical it is mm -hmm. in order to get there and then provide them the outlet to have the easy button to have somebody else do it for them. Yeah. Right. And so that is like what we're trying to do now is not necessarily trying to get every single entrepreneur to dig into their finances and do their own books and yada, yada, yada. It's like, we're going to show you how to do that. And this is how, you know, and, and a lot of you aren't going to do it. I get it. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize how important this is if you want financial certainty in your life. And so if you're not going to do it yourself, then here is a great uh, uh, vendor that can do this for you. We highly recommend David and Profit First because, again, he's going to help you get this in order. He's got a specific business around helping uh, real estate investors get their finances in order. And that was the key realization I had was like, right, don't fight the bias. Just yeah. get people to understand how important it is if they want to have financial certainty to have their finances in order. Yeah. When you brought this up in our conversation, uh, I was like laughing and shaking my head, like how obvious it was. Right. So he's like, what we should be doing in a perfect world, we can show everyone how to do it. Perfect world. Right. But what I really liked that what he said was, is it more important that you help them understand and come to grips with how important it is, or is it more important to show them how to do it? Like, okay, if that's the question, then it's way more important to show them how critical this is to their business. But now that we got this clarifying question, now we can update our curriculum to ensure they realize the gravity of the situation. Right, because we've been saying like this is important. Here's how to do it. Now we're just going to be focusing on like, here's why it's so important. And it's just kind of like we made this joke. I think a couple of weeks ago uh, was that I don't need to coach Paul to eat better. I don't need to coach Paul how to work out. I don't need to coach Paul to get enough sleep. He knows these things. Every person that's more than I think 13 years old knows these things. And what percentage of population actually lives all three? Probably less than 1%. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not one of that 1% right now. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, this concept is not hard. In order to get financial certainty, you have to have your finances in order. But I guarantee you, when Monday rolls around, majority of us are going to sit around talking about how do we do more deals mm -hmm. as opposed to, how do we keep more of the money that we already have? And how do we, and again, this is not like saying it's an all or nothing thing. You probably should also figure out how to get sales, right? Yeah. Um, part of growing as a business owner, 
means that at a certain point, if you want to kind of move past that hustle phase of like money goes out and it's gambling, right? We're sending money out. We don't really have any reliability or predictability in the business. And so that's what gambling is. You're spending money and hoping that more money comes back in. And hopefully we make smarter bets, right? And we're more times than we're wrong. But so to reduce the complexity then is after you understand how important it is and you, and you have a basic framework to, to execute it, then you now have the choice of like, I'm going to go do this myself or hit the easy button, which is our friend David, who's helped hundreds of people across the country get their, uh, get, get this all figured out. That's right. And what kind of we can we create with this? Right. Well, Again, I'm making an assumption that we got into business for a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I think for me, it always comes back to your solvable problem. Like, what are you actually trying to solve by going into business for yourself? Now, I share my solvable problem uh, as much as possible so that I can hopefully like, because I, I, I do believe that a lot of us are, are fairly similar to what I'm about to say. So when I think of my solvable problem, I got into business because I love business. I really, I think of it as a sport. Um, and I use the analogy of pickup basketball all the time. What I love about pickup basketball is I'm not like, I don't have practice. I'm not obligated to be anywhere at any time. I show up because I want to be there because I like hanging out with those guys. I like the competition. There's multiple courts I could play on, but I go there because it's close to my house and I like the guys that are there. And some days I want to go, some days I don't want to go and I can play whenever I want. Now, when I'm in the game, I'm playing to win. Like I am playing all out. I'm a competitive person. I love to compete. But when I walk off the court and I leave the gym for the day, whether I won or lost those pickup games that day has absolutely no bearing on my mental state. And That's the same way I want to play business. I want to do business with people that I like, that inspire me. I want to do deals that I like, that are exciting to me. And I don't want necessarily the outcome of that business or that interaction to to have any bearing on my, let's say, anxiety in my life. You know, so I want to play it like a sport. So, you know, I wish I could say the same exact thing. Um, it actually bothers me when I play poorly in basketball and I do feel better when I play better in basketball with business every day, I'm making a deposit into my business So day in, day out. You can't win or lose in business, right? Like day in, day out, you, you, you put in the work cause it's not about the, uh, the destination It's about the journey. So every day is a good day. <laughs> basketball. I, I made my first shot today. It was a deep three, right? I think like three feet behind the line. Didn't make another shot the rest of the day, right? And so, like, I am actively thinking, like, uh, on the way home, like, I need to go on Sunday and just shoot around. Like, this is entirely unacceptable. <laughs> entirely unacceptable. So, I hear everything you're saying. It's just unfortunately, it's not quite the same with me. I, I, it, it, it sits with me the whole day. Sure. <laughs> well, I think it's important to get clarity again on like. We all have, we're all different, you know, you and I are are similar in a lot of ways, but we're very different in a lot of ways as well. Um, And so 
um, when I think about where to start, if you're the type of person that says, I got into business to make absolutely as much money as possible, and I'm willing to sacrifice everything else in my life in order to do it. You know, I don't think anyone We're has that mission statement. I don't think anyone has that mission statement, but their actions look like it. Sure. Their actions look like it. I don't think that anyone says that. But yeah, you know, I think that's such a glaring way to kind of describe the challenge every entrepreneur has because everyone acts like I have to make more money than Elon Musk and I'll do whatever it takes. But if I asked you, is Paul, do you get in the business to make as absolute much money as possible? Uh, everything else be damned? Like, no. Then why do all your actions look like that? Yeah. You know, and... And so getting clear on, you asked me about legacy, like what is the legacy you're trying to live here? What are you trying to do with your life? Are you someone who let, are you're using your business as a tool to help you get the things that you want in life? Or are you the tool <laughs> and is your business using you? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it's a tough realization. I was the tool for a long time. I, I was letting my business drive me. My, my state of happiness, my emotion, my level of it. Right. The whole reason I got into business is so that I had enough money coming in so I could just go play and I could do business with whoever I wanted to take down whatever deal I wanted to, because I like it. If it doesn't interest me, I'm not interested in doing it. When I got clear on that, then you need a toolbox that can help you make good decisions to get there. We hear all the time about operating systems. You've got the EOS from Traction. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this have read that book. Traction, oh, yeah. Rocket Fuel, uh, Gino Wickman. That's who wrote that, I believe. Gino Wickman, yep. Killer book. Talks about how to run meetings, how to do things inside your business, right? Then you've got like Sharper and how to, you know, operating systems for hiring people and managing people and, um, you know, like the strategies that mm -hmm. we all need inside of our businesses. I think those two operating systems are killer. But I don't know of an operating system that helps you make better decisions to get you closer to what you actually want in life. Right. That's what the certainty operating system is. That's what this book Rigging the Game does. Because again, just because you know that you, you say you don't want, uh, you were sort of saying like, I want to make as much money as Elon and everything else be damned. Mm -hmm. Well, no one says that. We all are like, well, I'm doing this so I can have more time with my family. I'm doing this so I can retire early or so I can put my kids through college or retire my parents or in, you know, private island and whatever. Insert whatever it is you say that you want. Mm -hmm. But then again, we start making decisions inside of our business. Yeah. And oftentimes they're not helping us get closer to where we want because we don't have the right toolbox to help us do those things. Well, I've had a lot of conversations, right? a ton of conversations with other business owners. And when we ask, we go deep into why, you know, they're in business. It almost always comes down to uh, changing the family tree, creating a legacy, leaving something behind, something about significance. It has never, ever been about, I want to make as much money as possible. It's never been, I want to work as many hours as possible. It's never I want to own uh, this many houses or these kinds of cars. Um, some people say they want to travel a lot, right? That goes in there. 
but it's never been about the material things. It has always come down to legacy, legacy. family tree, leaving something behind, doing something significant. People will remember me always goes back to legacy and it never goes back to material things. It never goes back to money. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I couldn't agree more again. Making an impact is certainly part of what I mean when I say playing business like a sport. It's like, because I want to have free time to do something, right? And we can draw on the timer, a timer acronym, attention, time, impact, money, energy, and reputation and relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, legacy is essentially the impact and the influence you have on people and the relationships and the reputation that you have. Yep. That's how I think of it. And we're saying that if we can figure out the business treasury, then that will support the legacy. Is that what we're saying here? That's exactly right. And I think of it as sort of like three components. So you first have to get clear on what you're actually trying to do. What do you need in order to leave this legacy? How much money? Put a dollar value to it, right? How much money do you need? A lot of us, it's like, <clears throat> I mean, I, most of us, the most of the people that we talk to in the whale club, it's usually between like 10 and let's say like $30,000 a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. They're like, if I could get that much money inside my life coming in reliably and consistently, oh my gosh, that would change everything. I would be financially free. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Financially free is different than financial certainty. So let's talk about, again, what is it going to take in order to get you to where you want to be. That's the solvable problem. The second component is you need a toolbox to help you navigate your decisions. Because again, we're all biased and we're going to start making decisions as we go forward. And a lot of times your biases start taking over. Yeah. Um, so we call that certainty. And that is what Dan talked about in this book, um, Rigging the Game, is he outlines the certainty operating system. That's what we teach whales how to apply that's the whole basis for this podcast here right it's mm -hmm. talking about a lot of the certainty principles well we like talked this. about it a few weeks ago right was the, the everyone figured out what their biases were right yeah. inside the wheel club we were all like all right here are my exact biases biases and here's how i and here's what i've done now to reduce biases not eliminate because we're all humans here's that's what right. we can do to prevent our biases from getting us into trouble. Yep. So step one, get clear on your solvable problem. Step two, implement, get a toolbox that can help you make good decisions so you can get certainty inside your business and build reliability. And then the third component is the business treasury, which again is what I think of as like financial certainty because it's real easy to be profitable when the market's going up. It's very difficult to weather all of the economic cycles that are going to be here over the light over our lifetime and our, you know, the entirety of our legacy, as you're asking me about. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to build this legacy, you have to figure out how to keep more money, as David Richter would say. Right. You've got to keep more. Mm -hmm. But I would go one step further. What are you doing to take the money that you're keeping to help ensure and, and and help you lock in and protect your wealth for uh for you know your the entirety of your legacy right 
Yep. No, I think it's a great point. Um, anything we wanted to make sure we talked about that we haven't discussed yet? Well, I think uh, we probably should have said this at the very beginning, but our intention is to do a little bit of a series on uh, the next couple of weeks on the on the business treasury. Uh, so today, I think really the goal was to just introduce the concept. Mm -hmm. What is it? Why should we care about it? I don't think a lot of small business owners realize that like, um, when again, when you look at Fortune 500 companies, when you look at some of the largest companies in the world that have created businesses that have spanned decades and decades, the reason is because they have an operating business and they have a treasury. There's redundancy there, right? Even if the business isn't making money, the treasury's there still to support it. Yep. So boy, do I know what that feels like to be running a business that isn't making any money. It's really nice to have liquidity. You know, that may be a word that a lot of us, you know, are hearing more and more with these bank failures, <laughs> liquidity and solvency and stuff like this. Yeah. But we're going to get into that today. We wanted to use today as an opportunity to explain why or what a business treasury is and why some of the most successful companies in the world have it, how they're using that to reduce their anxiety and build a financial fortress around their business and their life so that they can endure any economic climate. So what we're going to do over the next couple uh, episodes is talk about next week. We're going to talk about what I call brain melting math. So for uh, if you're you know an analytical person, you're going to really enjoy this because we're going to talk a little bit about the numbers and how treasuries can significantly compound your wealth in a, in a fairly short amount of time. Yeah. Um, by doing some very basic things, we'll talk about uh, steps you can take and tactics you might take in order to start building towards your treasury. And we've got a couple episodes after that, but... Um, yeah, it's going to be good. I think this is warranted to do a treasury on this uh, or to do a series on the business treasury so we can take people kind of through the process, give you guys a little bit of a glimpse of what we are uh, helping our whales accomplish inside of their business. Yeah, perfect. And then, you know, again, uh, we had our uh, hotel conversion whale club uh, keynote yesterday. Before we wrap up, you want to talk a little bit about what we just did? Man. Uh, I did not know this, but, uh, this is Jason Ford. He's a member in our community. He and his partner, Robbie Krager are investing down in Puerto Rico and they have been for quite some time. They are converting, you know, these old rundown buildings into hotels. Um, talk about incentives. I think what you real, what I've started to realize as I've, uh, been in business longer and longer is it, it has everything to do with how much money do you keep mm -hmm. making more money is less important than keeping the, the money that you're making. They have a 40% tax credit for tourism down there. So right off the bat, you get 40% back from the government. 98% of the Island of Puerto Rico is a, is an opportunity zone. So you're not paying taxes on that as long as you hold, there's, there's some t tax advantages and all sorts of stuff, but man, my eyes were open and I was like, I might have to go buy a property in Puerto Rico now. <laughs> Don't chase. But, so, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we talk about 
Uh, anyone in the Whale Club, this is a, if you're uh, inside the Whale Club community, the free community, you still get access, right, to these calls that be, are hosted by our Whale Club members. Uh, we got the cheat sheet. Uh, you just go to realestatecertainty.com uh, or, or whaleclubfreestuff.com, get the cheat sheet, get better at making decisions, have the cheat sheet nearby. So anytime you got to make a decision, you can just run through it really quick. And then we have the wealthevaluation.com, six page PDF I put together to help you assess your wealth, no charge. It's just what I think is are the important questions you must ask yourself to identify uh, where you are financially and help you kind of figure out the direction you want to go. And then again, obviously, right, go to Will Club Free Stuff. Check out all the stuff we've got going on. Um, anything else, Paul, before we wrap up? I just want to say one more time, if you're struggling with your finances and your business, uh, you are not alone. The majority of us, the longer, I, like I said, the longer I do this, the more I realize most of us are sitting around like talking about revenue or how many deals we've done because it's way easier to do that than it is to talk about how much money you're actually keeping. Yeah. Um, if you can make that jump, you are well on your way to being a successful uh, investor. That was the hardest jump I've ever had to make in my life was going from and fighting my own biases. I can tell you it's well worth it. And uh, just remember, like I said, you're not alone in that. The, the vast majority of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Um, it's just about recognizing how important it is if you actually want to create this legacy and live the life that you want to live, you got to start paying attention to it. And, uh, and that's, I think where we should probably wrap it up today. Yeah. Huh? You're not, not only are you not alone, you're probably a part of the silent majority. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you guys all next week.